you better clutch your nuts, honey, because it's time for Squirrel Talk. Hola, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Squirrel Talk. I'm here, there, and everywhere, and we are having a very exciting time uh, bringing in some of the real drag all-stars, some of the legends of drag for recaps of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 5. Please, well, first of all, give it up for my co-host, Selena Vile. Hello, hello, hello. Coming in from Ottawa, coming in hot. That's right. It is very hot here. It is very hot, and but I know where it could be hotter. Uh, please give it up for, oh, I'm so enthused to have her. She is an icon. I truly have been inspired by this queen, and it's such a pleasure for us to get to talk to her today. Please give it up for Hedda Lettuce. Oh, thanks for having me. Hello, hello. <laughs> We're so happy Hi. to have you. Oh, I'm glad to be had. <laughs> And had she is. Hedda, how are you doing? You're in Mexico now, correct? Oh, yes, I'm in Mexico just doing some lighthouse work and I talk to you two queens. That's what I have to do to one plus busy themselves. Yes, I'm in Mexico because any Asian starlet has to escape the lights of showbiz and age with grace and dignity outside of the hub and bub of the major city. So I'm in Puerto Vallarta just living my gay life here and uh, escaping the plague. That's, this is my life right now. Me and my Chihuahua Lupe. Lupe. Oh, Lupe. That's my mother's name. Your mother's <laughs> name is Lupe? Well, my Chihuahua's name is Lupe. Our Lady of Guadalupe <laughs> took form in a Chihuahua. That's right, my mother is Maria Guadalupe. Oh, <laughs> beautiful, holy name, you know? And my dog, right. is, she's, so, she's so enlightened, my dog. She's much wiser than I am, I'm telling you. Immaculate conception. She has, she's oh, going to have yeah, an immaculate well, she's conception. Never, she's yeah. never had sex. She's truly a virgin, not like the one in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, she really is a virgin. She really is. But she's ne- as far as I know, she hasn't given birth to the Savior, unless uh-huh. she's keeping it a real big secret from me. I think 2020 is the year. 2020 is the year. I think the reveal, I think there may be a big reveal happening soon, in which case I'd be the grandmother of the savior. That's exhausting. Uh (laughs) I don't want to be the grandmother of the savior. That'd be so exhausting. It really would be. So part of Vallarta, you work there pretty often though, correct? I work, I have a a residency at a theater here at the Red Room Cabaret at Act Two Theater. And oh my God, it's been such a great time. This is my fifth season here. And um, this season just ended with a, a real, you know, a, a quarantine. That was it, <laughs> we were a uh, real bang. And I, I'm hoping to go back in, in, in the beginning of 2020 to 2021. We were talking, you know, there, what the capacity of the theater has to be. I don't know, I'm a little leery until there's a vaccine. Uh, they're trying to figure out doing an outdoor theater on the roof, a cabaret setting up there. I'd be much more comfortable with that. I mean, I'd yeah. be sweating my balls off, which are gently tucked between my legs. But <laughs> at least I I feel a lot better outside. And in, 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 I, I don't think I would run the air conditioning if I was in the cabaret space. But every, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just it, you know, but luckily, you know, I'm pretty much, um, well, I'm just a, a, a get-go kind of gal, and, you know, I do my Instagram live show that, you know, that provides me with income and all this other, you know, little stuff I do. So I'm actually enjoying being a staying-at-home drag queen. 
Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a totally it's a totally different lifestyle, and it, I we're really still actually prefer, especially at my age, which I don't remember what it is because I have a head injury. But <laughs> at the age, I have a general idea of how old I am, um, and in that area, I feel like I've at least I did everything I needed to do when people could be outside, and and now I should be indoors, gently lit, in front of an <laughs> iPhone. <laughs> don't you think i mean i think that's what i think i think god is doing for me what i couldn't do for myself i i mean what can i i could see you know oh had left the business oh had you know no now i could say a plague the plague really just you know and i'm terrified to leave my home yeah uh -huh. she's you are the norma desmond that you've always desired to and be. I, and 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 there and it's acceptable now that's the beautiful yeah. thing i'm not i'm not an anomaly i, I this is an accepted behavior so they can't say hedda gave up i could just say you know it's the plague it's the plague. <laughs> the plague got me, and I'm in home. You know, I really, I really do enjoy being at home doing this, doing the the show on Sundays, uh, which is at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, on my Instagram, which is Head of Lettuce NYC, and I really have been enjoying it more so lately. It's funny when you're, I, I tend to feel I'm an adaptable performer because I like on stage. I'm very adaptable. I'm an improv comedian and singer and so I like working mm -hmm. with the energy and so this has been interesting to see how this evolves and what fun things I can find out about it's very it's different though right because usually when uh, live performers we're used to the energy of an audience you know to play I know I realize I don't need that I, I oh, treat it like a radio I, I treat it like a radio show and I have right. all my little sound effects and my applause and my toilet flushings and my phone rings and, <laughs> and all these little things like I, I do all the you know the technica I'm just kind of, and then I have special guests and I have relatives and my family show up I have this great actor I've known for 25 years who plays my mother Shredalin lettuce and my grandmother Betta lettuce and she comes <laughs> on and she really get, and then I have another friend who comes on as this character called Cassandra she's a, a worst selling authorist and we just gab and <laughs> and uh, so I and plus I sing so I just find it to be um, uh, it, I find it very interesting I don't miss live performing wow as and as long, I mean I guess as, as long as you have control over the applause button. I have a, you know, and that's all I ever needed in life was control of the applause button. <laughs> so, Hedda, tell me how Hedda Lettuce started, because I have a little oh, bit of geez. an idea, but, but fill me in on well, how Well, tell me Hedda what Lettuce. your idea is, and I'll tell you. Right. <laughs> it was in the early 90s, correct? I see. I don't recall. It's all a blur. <laughs> it's all a blur. It's just... She got I, hit by the bus. I was, well, I was hit by a cross-town bus. It was awful. No, I, uh... Yeah, I started in the 90s, and I really, um, I was born in a beautiful Manhattan at Beth Israel Hospital, a nice Jewish hospital. Oh, you're I New York through and through. You're like a real New Yorker. Yes, I have, yeah. yes, not like these fake queens who move there and say they're New Yorkers. You'll never, yeah. really, no, no, I'm the real deal. And the rest of them will fuck themselves. But anyway, <laughs> um, they really can. They can really fuck themselves. But anyway, <laughs> I... Uh, I, uh, I, and I started uh, in through um, activism, through some uh, organizations called ACT UP and Queer Nation, doing uh -huh. fundraisers. And then I was involved in the East Village during when it was a really hot scene in the East Village when there was a lot of performance artists and drag queens. And, and so I sort of found my place in there when it was the coolest time to be around in New York City. Uh, well, you know, everyone says that's the coolest time, but I, but that really was a cool time it was a very and, busy time I, in new I, york city I, it was an excellent yeah. time to be just to, to find your your footing and to find your place in the sun and and all mm -hmm. that and i felt very i feel very lucky that i established myself 
um, before uh, that the other plague that hit was RuPaul's Drag Race. That plague, when that plague <laughs> came in, that killed many drag queens. It didn't kill me. It stunned me for a moment. I was stunned. There's two plagues, Corona and then RuPaul. So those two. So I survived. And of course, you lived, you lived through the black plague, of course, the bubonic. The bubonic plague was very tough, as was the Spanish flu, but I made it through those also. <laughs> so um, did that, you know, and so I felt very lucky that I established myself and developed my comedic skills in gay bars, in really in performance spaces in the East Village and in the West Village, and, and then started to expand from there and had a not, my cable show that had a letter show, which was popular in the 90s and the late 90s. And. I felt like I really, you know, and then some uh, some interesting television things were happening, and I don't know. There I was, was a, going with the flow. Was it was very a, organic. I was just going with the whole flow of it. There was a lot of drag pop up in the '90s that was happening. It was very. Um, it was kind of like a. A lot of girls call it a renaissance period. <laughs> well, I was so glad to be part of it, and many of and a few of the queens who I started with then are still around doing some really good stuff. So yes. I do feel that I do feel that that period of time did sort of birth a lot of interesting characters that had staying power i mean it's people i don't know i don't know what people think about drake but it's not as easy as it looks and it's not as easy to make a name for yourself as it may seem just because you put a wig on your head doesn't mean you're going to be a success so mm -hmm. i mean the, the people that i know that are still around have worked very hard and developed a craft and are go-getters so also very talented in the the variety of skills that you guys have i know that you're a singer you're a stand-up comedian uh character I, like, I, like, you, I like writing music too i write a lot of original songs that i work with as a company yes and, and, and my composer paul leshen and, and we write a lot of new music and i like doing a whole and i like i like and that's why i find it's interesting on the online shows i can do what i love doing best which is mugging just making funny faces, which is my favorite thing to do. Ever since I was a child and I would just get in trouble for my face always got me in trouble. And now it makes me money, but it always got me in trouble as a kid. I couldn't so I have a good how, poker face. How, how did year. you come up with the character Hedda Lettuce? Because Hedda is, you know, uh, a, a character, the grain, the whole concept. How did this all come about? Well, it was also an evolution. Well, the name came in a dream, literally. In the 90s, wow. I was trying to figure out names for myself. And the names I had were just awful prior to Hedda Lettuce. I think, one, I was doing that Miss name thing, like, you know, Miss right. this, Miss that, Miss... I think I was doing Miss Fortune, something so... And that was like, oh, that's ridiculous. And then I had an even mm -hmm. worse name, which was a Vagina Vagina, which is awful on, it, <laughs> on many levels. But it was spelled the same way. It was it was both spelled the same way. So I was people would just call me Vagina Vagina, which wasn't. Which now, I think nowadays would be a, a big hit. But then Vagina Vagina <laughs> really. Vagina vagina, vagina. vagina. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, spring to the stage, Vagina Vagina. And um, <laughs> I, I, I think cancel culture would have taken care of that today. That you know that we found that misogynist. So I yeah. I had a dream, and in the dream, the name had a lettuce came up, and I told my primary fag hag at the time, her name was Cindy Campo, and I she's passed away and she was a huge influence on me because when we I my family we lived in New York City we migrated to Queens and then we migrated to the Holy Land Long Island and on Long Island uh, she was uh, a friend of one of my she, she was a sister of a classmate of mine but she was 
she was a very um, progressive person. She made, she knew all the club kids. We would go to the city on the weekend. She made club kid pins. She was very in the scene. So I had a really, we prank called Quentin Crisp. I was 16 years old prank calling Quentin Crisp. It was great. And, uh, and then, then years later, I ended up living in the same building as him called the Eastwick on East Third Street. I was his neighbor above him and he lived right below me. He wrote The Naked Civil Servant. For any of you out there who don't know it, you should Google it, you stupid bitches. So. <laughs> Did you tell him that was you on the phone? Uh, no, I never told him that. No, I never told him it was me on the phone. I'm sure he got prank called all the time. Um, maybe not. I don't know what savvy high school students were pranking Quentin, Quentin Chris, but she was like, <laughs> so she, she kind of gave me my, we would go and I would, I would go to the boy bar, which was a huge hub for drag and, 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 and trans, uh, transsexual performance artists mm -hmm. and, and performers. And it was just a wild time. So we, I had a great uh, education early on. Um, I was going to Wigstock in high school, so I had a right. really good drag education. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this. The ADD just clicked in. Right? Can you help, <laughs> so help guide this train in, yeah, please? You, you, you had a dream. You had a dream. A whole dream. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I was trying to think of a good name. And so I told my primary fag hag, which I don't think is a politically correct word anymore, but I'm sorry, I'm just using the terminology of the day. And I said, oh my God, I had a dream, I had this dream. Uh, the name had a lettuce. And she said, oh, that's an awful name. And I <laughs> said, well, it may be off, but I think it's kind of catchy. And so I stuck with it. And I do think the name opened up a lot of doors for me that other names wouldn't have had, you know? It sort of yeah. stuck well with mixed audiences as well, whether you were gay or whether you were straight, whatever. But I think yeah. the name in itself kind of opened up. Uh, when, when drag queens use puns for names, which I always, I still think is the best, you know, you didn't call yourself Veronica uh, Schwartz, um, right. whatever they call themselves, <laughs> never, yeah, yeah. And, but you had, uh, you, you, were, you were a character, which I prefer, I think. I think you have more longevity if you're playing a character per se. Yeah, especially when, when people don't get the name at first and then it clicks in. That's always the best. Yes, and 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 they don't get it here in Mexico. My name is the uh, Chuga de la Cabeza here. <laughs> so that's what happened, and the name stuck, and I stuck with it, and that's the story, Morning Glory. <laughs> I like it. And, and it's also influenced, you know, where you took it because you used green. Green is now a very primary the color. The green right. didn't have, I, you know, I didn't, I was just another cheap blonde and redhead, like in a sea of cheap blonde and redheaded drag queens. I remember, yes. And, and then when I went to Provincetown to work and I was looking up and down the street because you have to work, you, you, the work there is treacherous. You're on the street mm -hmm. handing out flyers to drunken people from Boston and their accents alone is enough to destroy you. But um, <laughs> get your paper, get your paper. Blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, God, get away from me. Um, and I was looking down the street going, oh, God, look at all these cheap blondes and redheads handing out fucking flyers for their shows. What am I going to do to stand out? I was like, oh, uh -huh. it was an obvious decision. It was like, I should have thought about this a while back. Had a lettuce, it's green, just, you know, don't be so literal, but just don't wear, you know, just be green. And I can't right. really see myself in other hair colors now. It's so weird. Well, yeah, well, you've made this your staple. It's become your iconic brand, you know? I know the drag queens try to copy it now and try to take it and try to steal my thunder, but you know what? They can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a hard color to carry, and you carry it very well. As so, well as one can, as well as one can. Just don't, you don't do green screen work. That's the key, right? Oh, that's the problem. I disappear completely. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to do blue screen, but green screen, I'm just a floating head with no hair. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually think that's a great series for you. Uh, so you, <laughs> you did... Um, what I love about you, Hedda, and this is a personal note for myself, because I also oh. do stand-up in drag, uh, but you were one of the drag queens that inspired me to start doing that. And so I really want to thank you, first of all, because I was... You're welcome. When I, when I started it, it, just there wasn't a lot of drag queens doing stand-up. So how did that come about for you? Well, that was, you know, that just seemed like a natural evolution in New York City. I, I, I was friends with a lot of stand-up comedians, and I would do a lot... I. Not to say I was a bit of a trailblazer because I was performing doing doing seven minute your standard five to seven minute sets. Oh, there's the banging in my head. There's my construction. There it is. That's, that's my. That's my. Somebody head. is um, banging head. Oh, someone's. I, oh, that was my headboard. Excuse me, but you know I was doing five minute comic sets as head of lettuce in all these straight comedy clubs in New York City before drag was. Uh, 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 acceptable or 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 it was very much about lip syncing at that point too. And there I was in these places where no one saw drag queens before. I was so bold. I, I think about it now. I'm like, my God, I had a lot of, I had balls um, mm-hmm. tucked gently between my legs, but I had balls. <laughs> and then I was the first stand-up comedian to ever perform at Caroline's Comedy Club in drag. Oh wow! So That's a big I, thing. And I had and I had a regular gig there and to see my face on Times Square on there on the posters outside was a huge deal. And it was also a huge deal for the gay, cause gay community, they would come, all these people wanted us, now had to have this really mainstream gig that yeah. was not in the gay bars, was at, there I was in Times Square and, and 42nd Street. And, and that was an amazing, that was a, a shift for me. Um, and uh, so that's how the stand-up stuff happened. And, and sort of writing, stand-up comedy now i don't really i'm i would say I'm, i love stand-up I, in my show i do bits of it but i'm i'm more of a i mix your stand-up with a lot of improvisation i like working with the audience which i think is going to completely change now with yeah. corona and people wearing masks which will ruin you know it just won't be the same so i have to see where i fit in with it but that's my favorite kind of performing even though i find it very difficult and taxing mm-hmm. is to get in there and and uh and do that so um that's how yeah that's how that kind of came about i mean i did stand-up comedy and drag in a laundromat we did we would do all these ridiculous things we would go that's around. what you do in we, stand-up we did, though we did we did all these weird nights we would go everywhere and I, there i was the token drag queen in a laundromat with my other comedian friends and doing our seven minutes of time and <laughs> as people were fucking doing their whites and, and <laughs> yeah. washing their clothes that's awesome. So yeah, this is how this these this is stand up gigs. I mean, that's the business of stand up. You do things in shitty bar uh, basements and laundromats and back alleys where wherever you do it. and and drag especially is you have to take your time to get yourself into drag to go there to do it. Yeah, now I don't really have the I don't I don't have the uh, the same I guess motivation to do it anymore. No, I'm with I you, and I'm, this, I, I don't have the same desire and. And um, I find most comedians to be really glum. Yeah, it's true. And so they're not uh, fun yeah. people to be around. Yeah, I think, and they're just sitting yeah. there. They're not fun people to be around. Yeah, no, the, energy, the, the energy is strange. Yeah, the energy is, 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 is strange. But I, it's more, for me, it's more like, 
I just don't have the motivation or the de desire or the discipline to do that. I mean, because it does require a lot of different discipline and motivation. And But that's also changed now, too. So, you know, everything's, well, everything's Comedy has yeah. changed as well. And how have you noticed uh, how comedy has changed? Yeah, so, I don't I I, I, I I don't particularly like the, what's what's happening. They're making it harder for people to be funny. And I find cancel culture hysterical. And uh, I find all the, I find a lot of it really. I find the 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 the, the liberal the liberal the extreme liberals to be just as annoying as the, the extreme right. I find them both equally repulsive. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I do, and I really want to. I can say that with, I, I I'm tired of these fucking pronouns changing every goddamn day, and just sick of it all. And it just really irritates me. To, I'm just like, oh my God, everyone is policing everything constantly. It's like, oh my God, people get a hobby, get laid, anything. <laughs> it's Do definitely, something. especially for people, comedians, it's so hard to oh, figure out. Oh, hold on a second. My neighbor's calling me for food. This is, I, I'll tell you the story. Is Let that, me just, <laughs> hold on. Hold on a second. Hello, Melissa. Hello. Oh, hola. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Comida, gracias. Oh, no, this happens every day. My neighbor, oh my God. My neighbor, Martha, she is a dentist, a dentista. They're my, <laughs> mi, mi, mi vecinos. <laughs> and she has uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco hijas. And she is, a, and, but she feels, I think she's taking pity on me, the single gay man living alone with a chihuahua. Uh, so she feeds me. <laughs> but also what happens is they made me, my birthday was on Friday. They made yes. me the most beautiful Happy birthday. cake. Thank you. And they passed it over the balcony because our balconies connect. Oh, hello, I'm here. Oh, oh, gracias. Uh, oh, tacos too? Oh, okay, gracias. Um, tacos, she gave me sopa. Now the tacos are coming. So they pass me food over the balcony two or three times a day. God and bless this is what's happening. This is the mid this is the mid-afternoon feeding that I have to be home for. Otherwise, Martha gets very upset. And I feel like I'm on the schedule, but it's also helped me during this period of isolation where I don't feel as isolated because I just feel there's so much going on here. You know? You got good neighbors uh, who are taking care of you. Oh my god, I, just, I it's it's hysterical. It's really makes me, it makes me laugh. So this, you know, she'll, she's gonna call me again in a moment for the taco. She just handed me the soup. So oh if I had to, this is, this, is, this is my life here in Mexico. It could be worse, it could be worse. No, I, I feel you. very blessed, but you know, being the jaded New Yorker that I am, I'm going, what's her angle? What's her angle? Yeah. <laughs> what, what's she getting at? What is she what is, what's the angle? She's poisoning me, this, this poison in this food. Slowly, she's slowly killed me for several years. No, I don't know, the, the, the jaded, pessimistic New Yorker kicks and goes, and I always have to feel like, why? Uh, what's, ha what's going on here? Oh my God. What's going Martha on? just so wants you to be fed. I guess and they want you to be very fat. <laughs> you I know what? How any somebody lives here because with the, the the food they eat is just filled with cheese, rice, and yeah. and and and, and Beans. Uh, bread. I don't know how anyone does. It. I'm surprised. A heart. I think they're trying to kill me with a heart attack. <laughs> Fried. Believe it or not, head up. Maybe somebody loves you. Maybe that's. Oh, I can't. I won't accept that. I am sorry. I cannot accept that. It's unacceptable. Uh, I, but I, I take thought... the food. I take the food and I eat it and I love it. So I want to say thank you, Martha, and your family for feeding me. So oh. yeah, this is this is my this is my. You just caught a glimpse of my life here. <laughs> I feel caught up. <laughs> now you're completely caught up. I'm, the... I'm moving to Mexico and I'm moving in with you.
Oh, <laughs> I need a meal. I, I, this is this is a place to be. I really do feel, <laughs> as a, a queen of a certain age, I'm not even kidding you. Um, I do feel this is a really great place to be because I'm able to work and live a slightly gentler life, but keep busy, but not in the same way. Yeah. And um, I find like I can do my stage performances. Like I've never been very good at constantly keeping up with doing YouTube videos and all that. I don't really have the interest in a way right. as other people do. You were very good at keeping up with those though, because you were pumping material a for a long time. time. Yeah. But then I I uh, I just lost I don't know, things happen in life and you lose interest in certain things and mm -hmm. things drop away and you're like, oh why did that happen? So yeah. this I able to make a very good living and not necessarily have to just constantly, you know, I do, I keep up my Instagram and doing funny videos there. And I always post videos from my show on Sunday night as teasers and things uh -huh. I do, but the YouTube yeah. thing, oh, hold on, Taco's coming. There it is. Uh, Marta, here Marta, Marta's hi. here. Yes, over here, here, Melissa, hi. Oh, gracias, Melissa. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, my God. Gosh, here they are. Mm. They are. This is, there goes my girlish figure. Is so, Melissa um, the eldest daughter? Is that you know, Melissa's is? A, Melissa's 19. Now, the eldest daughter is Josie, and she's about 28. Um, and so Melissa is the... Oh, I don't know where she falls in the family. She's somewhere in the middle. Um, but she's the one who's, yeah. So, so, so P.S. I got tacos for lunch after this. This is wonderful. So, yeah, being here, you know, we always have to reinvent ourselves in different ways and what our motivation levels are. And so this was like another reinvention of sorts. Um, yeah. Coming yeah, here. And that, I think that's part of being a drag artist, particularly, is you reinvent yourself several times in a career. Yeah, I really, I, I, it, it definitely, it definitely is, it definitely, and you know, yes, for sure. For me, I feel that way. I have different uh, stages. And like, you know, usually in the summers, I'm on Fire Island performing, doing a couple of shows a week there. I've been doing that for 10 years, but this right. year, we, you know, I canceled and we decided not to do it. Um, so it's really weird just for me to be here. In, during the summer and sort of develop more roots here and feel more, you know, like this is my home more so than, uh, you know, New York City right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it seems like because New York is such a fast pace, like you said, and like, uh, obviously, it's a bit slower in Mexico in terms of just pacing, which must be nice just to switch that up for a little while, you know? Um, it's, it's really good. It is yeah. good. It's, it's, and it's good to be, I think, it's good to be in a different culture, and I, and I and I try to study the language as best as my old brain can handle it. And so, I do my Duolingo for a half hour a day. You know, it, it doesn't absorb very well, but I try. I make efforts. Yeah. And my neighbors only speak Spanish, so I I have to I understand it enough to get around with them, and and my baby Spanish seems to work well enough that they understand me. Yeah, um, but. This is my this is my life here now. Right, and well, that's the this is the new incarnation of Heather Lettuce. This is the new incarnation. Viva and Mexico! Now, and now we have the COVID lettuce. We have heard that we have this period of time where everyone's trying to adapt and survive and and try to figure out where they're going to go with this. Because, I mean, this is really a, a big career killer for a lot of people. Uh huh. It's crazy because the theaters, bars, cabarets, that's where drag uh, lives. So now it's trying to figure out what are we going to do with drag moving forward now. And I think we're realizing that this could happen for longer than we could even know. It could go into 2021, right? Yes. It will. So, 
yeah, very so easily. And a lot of bars in New York City are going to close down. A lot of places, some are already Therapy, closed, you know. therapy just announced that they're shutting their doors. Oh, my God. I had so much fun at that place. Really? Yeah. They're shutting their doors? Yeah. Pixie Aventura made a post about it yesterday. Oh, gosh. I hate her. But I love therapy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you and I would get oh. along very well on this podcast, Hedda. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sad for therapy. Not for Pixie, but for therapy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor uh, dear, how she suffers. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, wow. So therapy is going under. Oh, that's that's going to be a lot of queer venues, though, because a lot of bars and places aren't going to be able to I wonder if industry is going to go down, too. I never liked that place very much anyway, but I wonder if that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, it's going to change queer culture, I think, indefinitely. I wonder if Barracuda is going to close down. Yeah. You know, they're, like the, they're like the plague. They're, they're, they're all, they can't, you know, like cockroaches, Barracuda, that place won't close. <laughs> I don't think it will close. Barrack I don't know. Wow, all these performances. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, my life was has not been in the gay bars for a long time. So I'm wondering about the theaters and cabaret spaces I performed at in New York City. Yeah. If they're going to last. Yeah. I just because you used to use you used to host a movie review. Uh, the movie show. theaters. I've been doing that for yeah. 18, 19 years. Hosting classic movies, can't be classic movies at, mm -hmm. at the movie theater. Two major theaters in the city and. And they show no signs of reopening again. And, and they're not getting any government bailouts, which I think they really should to yeah. stay open. Um, but they're not. And so they may close. And then that's part of my life. That's and a lot. And, and, a lot, and so many of my friends who work in the industry gone. Yeah. And it's, wonder, it's a wonder for me right now. It's like, what's going to happen to the arts? Because there is no funding for any arts right now. Um, and it's like, what, what is going to happen after all this? Because a lot of things are going to close. And are people just wanting arts to disappear or go underground? What are people wanting out of the arts? Well, the beautiful thing about creative people is you, it will evolve into something else. You know? yeah, exactly. And those who can adapt to it will, and those who can't won't. And you will just fade off, just like, just like when RuPaul's Drag Race came. The queens that couldn't sustain a career when that happened disappeared. And the right. queens who could evolved and found their place it's the same with this the people who can sort of evolve with this can so you know what and and new and and it could end up being i always try to look at it could be end up being better than it was the way it used to be it could be and uh -huh. you've been through i don't know you, you, you've gone through a couple of these kind of uh re, re revitalization of drag things that have happened yeah, um, absolutely so you've you, you know, you've brought up you've brought up drag race already a couple of times we kind of get your opinion on that <laughs> oh okay <laughs> but but what <laughs> how has that changed for you what has that been in terms of the effect of drag race on well, the drag you know, that you I, from the drag queens from the show who've given me blowjobs i will tell you this much <laughs> um <laughs> as they're the pillow talk afterwards is their <laughs> lives are not the glamorous life you think it's tough it's hard it's a lot of competition uh -huh. it's 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 a lot of bullshit work they take advantage you'll hear when you if you have the opportunity to get blown by a drag race some celebrity <laughs> really sit down with them afterwards and and they'll spill the beans as the as the cum is dribbling off their chin and oh there was four of them but anyway um, <laughs> was it a so, bottom four or a top four no, they're all they're 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 adequate. I mean, one was really, <laughs> one was exceptional. One was exceptional. And, okay. Uh, but I will never reveal names. But I will tell you this: they all say the same thing. It's not what it's cracked up to be, and that's mm -hmm. life. 
that's a, that's what should be on my gravestone. It's not what it was cracked up to be. Uh, right. But it's it's uh-huh. it's it, the perception is not the reality. Right. I mean, it never is with fame, right? Like they always say, "Don't meet your idols." Because... But that's and oh, well, you never and and oh, really? Fame is really destructive, and to be famous today is awful. To be like, I'm I'm known in certain circles, which is very different than being famous. I mean, I'm, yeah. And you want to something in a way? There's a lot of there's a lot of. I still feel like I have a lot of freedom as an artist, in a sense, or not. If I don't want to do it, I don't feel the obligation to do it. You know what I mean? It's like. Fame has a, and, and money doesn't, I've had money and I haven't had money, you know, I've been right. in both places and it doesn't make you any, ha- honestly, it brings certain things, but it doesn't, it doesn't make you happier. Um, I do, I, you know, when you get on the show, I do think if you're have half a brain and you end up getting all those fans and all those Instagram things that can change your life because you can make good money off of that if you're good about that and you don't have to really do so much in a sense um and i still always i feel my career has always been just a a little bit of a struggle i always had to keep working you know there was Mm -hmm. never a point when oh i'm gonna coast this wave i finally arrived you know i've never really felt that that ah i've arrived you know what i mean i've always felt i just have to work i mean and the That's difference is, is that you wanted to do drag and that this is your passion and your career. And a lot of people that are chasing fame, you know, you're never really going to be satisfied unless you're doing what you really want to do. It's a mix. But drag is also a very uh, powerful art form in that it can be very destructive to the person doing it if they're not careful about certain things in their life and certain mm-hmm. behaviors in their life. Because it, it, can, it can feed into a lot of fantasy and a lot of bullshit and a lot of not and you have to be really careful to contain the beast i can get equated to like okay like uh the the, the starlets of decades ago on movies like first instance like marilyn monroe we're going to take just an iconic example uh-huh. she was a drag queen in a way she was impersonating a female a female impersonating a female and yeah. the thing with that was the power of what she was impersonating she had control over it for a bit, but then it took control over her and it destroyed her life. And a lot of drag queens, because I've been mm. around long enough to see, it destroys their life. They get caught yeah. up in the fantasy of it when the reality, you know, and so they're not very grounded. And you have to be very grounded of this, you know, otherwise things can get really ugly. And you know, you've seen them, even on RuPaul's Drag Race, the queens, if you met them at clubs and stuff, some of them that I've worked with or been around, some of them are really lovely. You know, because yeah. they're much more grounded and they're able to go, and the others are just absolute monsters. Uh-huh. We've heard the stories. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it is like you have to stay grounded or you get lost in the fantasy. And that's. Because, you know, showbiz is not linear and, you know, and you, it's not, especially today, and you, you can't, and getting lost in the fantasy. I'm not, trust me, I've gotten lost in the fantasy and it's awful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think, uh, keep, you know, and right now it's so funny because my drag has gotten so, I mean, I think some of them would say booger drag, which is the term of a really bad <laughs> drag queen. Yeah. But, um, my drag has gotten so funny and basic on this online show. Because first of all, I'm doing all the technical stuff 
and I need reading glasses, so I can't see. So I have to, I can't, <laughs> I'm wearing glasses, and then I put these sunglasses over my reading glasses to make them look a little bit more, because I don't have prescription sunglasses, and uh, a glamorous <laughs> prescription, but, so my drag has gotten very simple, and in there it's gotten very funny, because I don't care as much about the, the persona, but more uh -huh. the comedy and the ridiculousness around it, which I think is more important. I think people, yes. they, I mean, there's a lot of these look queens, which last for about a second, Comedy is eternal, and making fun of yourself never goes out of style. But my look has yeah. gotten very strange lately. I'm doing strange things I don't even would do on stage, like wearing things. I'm like, I put a mylar curtain on my head, and I don't know <laughs> what I've been doing lately. I've seen and a I couple of your videos, Head. I've seen a couple of your videos. You're they have, going, I, and you're I'm going like, through and, it. <laughs> and I'm going, and I'm letting this this period of time just to 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 see what's going on. Yeah, I'm not, I, and I'm not in a place. See, this is the thing about. <laughs> The good thing about not being like famous, famous, is you can experiment this way, and people are like, "Oh, this, well, this is funny. This is ridiculous." You know, right? This, yeah, you don't have to like stick to this look that people want you to be. Per se, the thing with drag, the thing with drag is, is you can always still have fun with it. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it; you can still have fun and make it different and you know, fresh for yourself. That's what you need right to. Now for me, is I'm having fun with it, and I'm not, I'm not attaching to the persona as much <laughs> and I'm letting it sort of deconstruct a bit which is okay yeah if you're not having fun with it and not doing what you want <laughs> to do with it then why would you be doing it well because it's a compulsion like anything else people <laughs> are addicted to the attention it yeah. is and that's also a thing with I guess you could say with stand-up comedy there's an adrenaline rush when you do those things you know uh -huh. there's an addiction there's an addictive quality to any performance thing but most especially to drag I believe it's a very drag is very addictive, sort of addictive, and and the attention you get mm -hmm. and around it, and um, <laughs> we we see we we see a lot of young queens nowadays, and they get so hyped and into it, and they just want to go 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 go, um, and and it looks addictive to them because they just can't stop. No, and it, and it and it and it and it does take over, and that's what we're talking about, like the balance of sort mm -hmm. of trying to find balance in there. Um, what advice? What advice would you give to a newer queen, Hedda? <laughs> uh, could you repeat the question, please? I'm sorry. I I I took a little bite of the taco while we were talking, on, and I'm choking on some taco. Just choking on the taco. Is, it, <laughs> is it spicy? Is it the spices okay. that are getting? No, you? it wasn't the spice. It just went down the wrong tube. <laughs> oh no! Oh, Wash. Have a have a little milk. Um, uh, I wish my at-home attendant was here to help me right now, but no, I'm all by myself. <laughs> Somebody give her a sponge bath. <laughs> so what? What is your question, dear? <laughs> <laughs> tell Nana your question again. Could you repeat the question, please? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna ask. What would you tell young drag queens? <laughs> well, what would I tell uh, them? Well, no, don't, no, don't, don't, don't start that. But what would you? For, <laughs> some, somebody would want to start drag. What advice would Hedda Lettuce have for somebody who wants to start drag? And don't start with don't. <laughs> oh wow! Then you've just completely. <laughs> um. <coughs> Oh God! I got now. I've got. I, I, this is not Corona, people. You will not catch this. This is taco meat. This is what happens when you're gluttonous. Um, um, I would say. Uh, oh gosh, who want to start? Well, first, I would ask, what is their? Did they graduate high school? We're talking to high school graduates, at least. 
Yeah, we're talking Hopefully. about young, young adults. Do they, have a two year, did they, do they have a two-year degree? In any Anybody? Case? Yes, <laughs> that's it. Selena, Selena actually is newer. She started two years ago, and she's older. She's almost 40. And I'm almost 40. I just started drag. <laughs> yeah. So anybody who wants to start drag, what would you have to say? Oh, um, I would say, um, oh, um, oh, I would say, oh, God. <laughs> I wish I didn't, don't eat a taco when you're doing a podcast show, bro. <laughs> don't eat a taco. Then I would say, um, I hope, well, I hope you're good with your money and you don't do too many drugs, you don't drink excessively. Uh, I mean, that's, I not, say, that's not bad advice. That's I great advice. Say, I would say, um, uh, what is your shtick? What is your craft? What are you working on? What is your, what is it your, what's your voice? What is, what is the character? I think it's really important to be a character on stage like um what is the character like just don't tell stories about yourself as a boy but in drag because then what then you're just doing this because no one would listen to you as a boy what is that what is the character create a character what's her family what's her history (laughs) what is she like who does what is her likes and her dislikes whatever you know it's a character that's the whole you know that's what it is that's what makes entertainment the best is yeah. when there's a fully formulated character behind it. It's not where, just, I, just a quick question about your own stand-up, Hada. Where does your comedy come from? Is it more character-based? Is it kind of based on true stuff that's happened to you? Kind of put through the filter it's, of Hada? It's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Funny things that happen to me in drag, funny things that happen to me out of drag, but I make them as if they happen in drag. Mm-hmm. You know, um, also, you know, just sort of heightening, having wherever this character would be in a situation that you know the contrast between having that character in a situation she shouldn't be in but that's where good comedy is in general like opposites uh-huh. oh god is yeah. the hottest boy walking by my fucking balcony right now jesus christ <laughs> goodbye guys i'll see you later we'll talk you. but anyway um, you know so that's where i would say that um do you just want to do because you want free drink tickets then that's fine too but if that's yeah. your goal if that's just your goal, yeah, okay. What are you? What is your goal? Like, do you have a great day job, and then at night you just want to dress up and kiki and have some drink tickets and and blow some boys in the bathroom? That is perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, find out what your intention is to get into it. What Maybe is the intention? Yeah, and and then what is the and and it doesn't necessarily have to have a goal. I think it could be something organic that kind of unfolds as it happens. But everyone, the panic that happens today is. If they don't get on Drag Race, they feel they don't have an opportunity to break in. Right. Or if, they're not right. Having, if they don't have their tongues up every drag queen who's been on Drag Race's ass, they mm-hmm. feel that they can't get involved, that somehow their career is totally reliant upon this particular vehicle. Right. And right. I think you and are a testament to that, Hedda, to say that you don't need to be on Drag Race to be a working so, successful Well, it depends drag what queen. your goal is. You know, being yeah. on Drag Race is great, but it is not the be-all and end-all. And I think more people need to talk about that and mm-hmm. more people need to share that. It's not the end result. Sometimes wow. cultivating your own group of followers and your own voice and your own, in your own time, in your own space. Because listen, all those girls, which is great, but every time they appear, whose name is above theirs? Always, always. RuPaul. It's oh yes. So where where do, where are you? Where where is you know? I mean, it's great. It's also, but but you're always that's it. Your your yeah. your your name you, is RuPaul. Whatever your name, your drag name is. 
Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that's great advice. I think that's, you know, find out what works for you. And this is what you've done, Hedda. And I think you but are. But if being on Drag Race is your goal, there is a formula to it. And there's a formula to getting on it. And then you yeah. just do it. And then you find out once you get on it, it's not all that's cracked up to be. Uh -huh. But you did it. That's exactly right. And ho I'm, what I'm hoping is that there's going to be more, uh, because drag has become more prime time nowadays, I'm hoping there's more <laughs> show, written shows, like, act, well, acted shows by drag queens, uh, non-competition shows to come up. At I point. really hope there's more non-competition shows. Yeah. I, I, I think the comp competitive part of it kind of spoiled it in a way. Well, it just pits people against each other. And it's like, you know, drag queens don't need to pit, be pitted against each other. We already are. <laughs> so yeah, we, we already are. You know, we have a lot. We have a lot of outside issues being in the gay community that we deal with. Yeah, and we have to look at and we, you know, and sometimes we could be our own worst enemies. And so it's hard. I mean, it, one of the things is like sort of trying to be supportive of everybody's journey and all that. But at the same time, being a bitchy queen, it's a hard wet road to battle. It's a hard balancing act, you know? Right. And what are we teaching the children of tomorrow? Is the competition <sighs> of drag queens? Or do we want to show the inclusivity and, you know, our full potential as drag artists, you know? And I think I think that's where we're going to be moving after uh, COVID. I, I'm hoping anyways. I'm hoping that we're going to see less competition, well, more. Once COVID passes, if it passes and doesn't evolve into some other super bug. Um, <laughs> right? Then if it doesn't, if, if COVID we find a vaccine or a cure or something that arrests it so that we can live life again without masks in theaters mm -hmm. sitting like we used to live theater is going to explode again you know because mm -hmm. there's yeah, a need so. for live theater outside of performing on instagram and youtube there's a huge need for that kind of connection which i loved it's also exhausting but i love being in a room full of people because it is a it's a collective energy that you don't get anywhere else. It really There's nothing like the immediate reaction, like the applause, the laughter, the jeers. Yeah, and the occasional scowl. The boo. Yeah, the boos. <laughs> yeah. The good thing oh, now is, boo. though, Hedda, now they're covering their mouths. So you, you, don't have to, you don't have to see them smile or, or jeer, huh? Oh, I know. <laughs> there, that's gone. I'm going to probably be the drag queen in the plastic bubble rolled out on stage in a, in a contained in a t contained environment. Well, I will be the one pushing you out. Don't worry. Oh, thank you. I can. Need, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> Somebody help push Hedda. But thanks for having me today. Of course, Hedda. Thank you for joining us and for giving us all your um, your insight. I really appreciate it. And I think people love hearing this from uh, drag artists such as yourself who've I use the term legendary. You may not enjoy that. I, I don't. I don't. I don't disenjoy it. I don't, okay, good. I don't even know if that's a, if that's a word. Is disenjoy a word? <laughs> I don't even think it is. But if, if they can make irregardless a word now, if Webster's dictionary oh my God, I recognizes irregardless and disenjoy is now a word. This is this. Um, that's what I'll leave you with. And and please, you know, come watch my me me on uh, my Instagram show 9 p.m. on Sunday nights. Yes, give us give Eastern us your standard time. Give us your socials, Hedda, uh, for people to follow you. That's it. That's all I'm doing is my 9 p.m. show at once a week. And I also do portrait. I'm an artist, too, and I went to art school. So also to make extra money during this time, just and also to keep me busy, I've been doing characters of people and their pets. So you can find all that on Instagram oh if you God. want a drawing. I, I do it. that, too. I've been I doing all that. this really str I just, I just go with the flow. Yeah. 
Are you, right. If you want a drag portrait of yourself, I do those. I've done several drag queens. If you want a portrait of your dog or, or you with your dog, just, you know, just tell me. I can do it. Do you do cats? I do cats as well. There we go. All right. <laughs> she does cats as well. That's all. Awesome. I just cats as well. But thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Heather. Take care. Bye, honey. Bye. Oh, that was so fun talking with Heather, wasn't it? She's the fucking best. I love her. She just tells it. She shoots right from the hip. She's a pistol. That that one. She's uh, She's gonna pistol whip you. Let's take a break to talk with our sponsor, shall we? Yes, please. <laughs> Tell another good joke. Welcome to shoefreaks.ca. <laughs> shoefreaks.ca, where you can purchase shoes of any size, in any color, in any style. It's a really big shoe, and you can go and get 25% off using our offer code. Nuts. That's nuts, honey. Clutch your nuts. N-U-T-S for 25% off. If you live in Canada, you get free shipping. Free shipping across Canada, but if you live outside of Canada, you gotta pay. So go to shoefix.ca, put in that offer code, get 25% off. Offer code? Nuts. Well, we are back from that hot break with Hedda pistol whooping me. Oh my God, my back. Ooh, I wanna know who those queens are that she was kai-kaiing with. Um, I, well, I would say somebody from New York, perhaps. Sure, <laughs> I bet all four of them are from New York. Yeah, that's why I was like, are they bottoms? Are they tops? Tell me the truth, Hedda. Bum, bum, bum. Do you think Pandora Box was one of them? Do I think who? Pandora Box? <laughs> you know what? Maybe. Maybe. I Rochester's pretty sake. close to New York City. <laughs> Rochester. Yeah, it was all the Rochester queens. That was it. Rochester. Can you Rochester? believe there are three Rochester queens that have been on the show? I think that's so funny. And they're good queens, too. And they were also on Ricky Lake. Three of them? Well, Darian and Pandora are both on Ricky Lake. <gasps> but not Mrs. Kasha Davis? Oh, she might have been too, actually. Ah. Was, uh, they, Rochester had a lot of drag queens on Ricky Lake. Uh, Ricky Lake had a lot Why? of Rochester queens on. I don't know. I think it may be shot in Rochester. That's so funny. I love it. Go, Ricky. Go, Ricky. <laughs> but we are talking about RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 5, Episode 7. Yep. Yeah. Well, Stand. we are talking about all stars: Darian, Pandora, Mrs. Kasha Davis. I know we need some more. There's always time for a cocktail. I loved her. Um, <laughs> but yes, yes, all stars five episode probably seven, eight, nine, seven. Nine? Stand up SmackDown. We are getting into stand up. That is why we had had a lettuce on. That's not why we had her on, but it was wonderful to have her on for this episode because this is a stand up challenge. Yeah, even though she didn't stick around to talk with us about it. Well, again, some drag queens don't need to watch Drag Race, and I do not blame her. And she seems like she's totally fine with that. <laughs> and some of them, like us, watch Drag Race, but don't remember what they saw. I remember what I saw. I just don't know if I liked what I saw, but I remember what I saw. <laughs> this so, season has not been the most exciting, I will say. Uh, All-Stars 5, I think it's been a, a cluster of things that's happened, first of all. I think they would have really benefited from airing this in late December, January, first of all. I agree. I, I think agree. we would have to have a different reaction to it. I think airing this after uh, season 12 was a mistake because we're still on the hype of season 12. Yeah. And also airing at the same time as Canada's Drag Race, which is very exciting, and a brand new series was kind of a weird thing, too. So 
Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's upsetting for the girls on um, both season 12 and All-Stars cast to not be able to do their bookings. And I would have liked if see, you know, All-Stars was able to at least get some January bookings. I know. No. So I think, that, I think that's a big part of this. And what you have to kind of take into consideration. But I also think it was probably not a great, <laughs> not the greatest All-Star season. Yeah. We just said goodbye to Alexis Mateo, which I'm very upset about. I think she belonged in the top four, and she would have been great in the stand-up challenge. She, well, she would have. She did stand-up in season three. Remember those big jungas? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everybody! She comes over. (laughs) She was doing the giant titties before Jimbo. Oh, yeah. And when I saw, actually, when I saw Jimbo's giant boobies, I thought of, like, Alexis's stand-up routine. Oh, my God. And, like, Alexis, or Yara Sophia's the little person? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, oh what a time and place that season was, huh? I know. I know. That is such, like, Latin American culture, though. Like, that's what they think is comedy. <laughs> Alexis went home. Again, if this was a regular season where people didn't have to vote each other off, would she be in the top? I think absolutely. She is an amazing drag artist. Well, she also got screwed by the new rule of um, tops are not safe. Like, even if you did well, you're not safe unless you want. Right. And, oh, God, I'm going to sneeze. Hold on. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, it's gone. Okay. Um, uh-huh. Oh, God. What is I think I need a Claritin. Ooh. Get one, get one. <clears throat> Um, but it is unfair to me that she left because uh, now we have uh, Blair in the top four, which well, is it fine. Could also, it could also be because India kind of threw her under the bus and then got into the bus and drove. <laughs> drove I'm so mad. I don't know if we've talked about this late, if we talked about it last week, but she did give an interview where they asked her if they talked, if uh, Alexis came to her before or after the vote. And she goes, oh, after the vote. Like she's backtracking and like changing her story and saying that, Alexis only talked to her after the vote, but then why would you say she was campaigning if she asked you after? Yeah, I I see no reason for Alexis to lie in this. She really doesn't have anything to lose in that way. I feel like India has the more more to lose in this because she her name isn't as big as Alexis. She's not getting the bookings that these girls were getting, you know. Yeah, and she still won't. Well, I think yeah, I think you know what, karma might come back. It's a thing, honey. Mm Hmm. So we will, oh, but their next episode, the finale, I guess we're getting a little bit of a reunion thing where they talk about it. The girls come back. Yes, Mayhem, I guess that, May, that's how they Mayhem is there reunion. to talk about it too. Yeah, but Mayhem hasn't, she hasn't said anything on social media and it may no, be because she's saving it for that. Yeah, she was going to say it there and she knew it was going to air. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen. So uh-huh. I think that'll, I think that'll like close the chapter to this, this very interesting story. Once and for all. <laughs> but anyways, here we go. We're in the episode. And Blair St. Clair, I do Claire, you stay again another day. So what happens in this? <laughs> um, Alexis wrote on the mirror AS5, and they read it as ass. And so did I. <laughs> it looks like ass. <laughs> it, it looks it like, like ass. What it was, it was like a heart and then ass. It was like love <laughs> ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah, so I guess Blair is thankful that they saved her. Uh, and, uh, yeah, then they have to, they get their challenges. <laughs> was that the next thing? Was that the next thing? That was the next thing. So they got their, 
I'm having allergies. Okay. So the next thing was um, RuPaul comes in. Hello, hello, hello. And we get a stand-up challenge, which, mm-hmm. by the way, as soon as I heard this, I was like, oh, my God, thank you. It's been a while since they've had a stand-up challenge. It's true. Did they do it? No, last week, last semester, last semester. I'm like in fucking school. What has happened? Last, last season, they did a one-woman show, which is not the same as stand-up. No. But, and they but, haven't done it in a while. So I'm really, I'm happy they had a stand-up challenge again because it's been a hot minute. Yeah. Um, and I like it, we said with Hedda, it's, it's a super important part of drag, I feel. It's, a, it's its own element of drag. It is. Mic work is so important. Feeding off the audience is so important. Having jokes at the ready is so important. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like I said, kind of too, I, I did, I did stand up for years. That's how I started in drag was through stand up. Um, you were what she was saying, like being a drag queen, going into straight spaces and doing drag stand up. That's exactly what you were doing. You were going into uh, yuck yucks comedy bar, going into spaces where they weren't necessarily queer. They still aren't very queer. This is back like 10 years ago. That I was yeah. totally relating. Everything she was saying, I was like, I relate to this so hard, Hedda. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, was, I was one of the only people. And I would have to get up on stage. And this is before drag was popular. And it was like drag race had just started. And mm-hmm. I would have to explain what I was. Because people didn't understand what was going on. And so I had to break down what I was. Um, now, now I wouldn't have to do that. So it's changed, right? Right. Yeah, but I was doing it in yuck yucks. I was doing it in basements. I was doing it like literally in basements where my head didn't even, I couldn't stand up right fully. Mm-hmm. Where the beaver was, I did a stand up show before it was even the beaver. I can literally walk around the city and just point out venues and be like, oh, I did stand up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But enough about me being a dirt pig. Here we go into the sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so there was a oh no there was not a mini challenge miss cracker because she won last week she gets to choose the running order which is very important for stand-up comedy shows i have to tell you it really really is i don't think these girls understand what the actual um uh best setup is for a running order because miss cracker to- didn't no like at all like they used to always be afraid of the number one spot but then people like alaska and um and jackie took the number one spot when it was their own choice and people were like what are you doing that's the hardest spot it's not the hardest it's like the easiest spot uh it depends who you are so remember opening a show is good but depends on your energy that you bring to a show and this is yeah you can't have a shitty person opening yeah, when I'm doing putting on a comedy show, I'm always looking at my group of people that's involved with it and oh, my neighbor's mm-hmm. out on his balcony and he's shirtless and he's going <gasps> to start doing some chit-ups and I'm here for it. Oh. I love that guy. If for those of you who don't know, go to Vicky's house and just stare at her window and you will see the shirtless man. He's very cute. Fuck, he's hot. I've had, oh God, <laughs> the wet dreams I've been having. <laughs> I've, my bed is soaked. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, where was I? Comedy. Uh, running right. order. Comedy. <laughs> yeah, so Ms. Cracker so running order, decides... Running order is so important. Starting a show, you have to carry that energy. Yeah. Um, so that, And then middling a show is like is also important who's in the middle because you have to carry the energy. You need somebody right in the middle of the show that can pick it up again if something happens in the middle, like in between the beginning and the middle. And then you need uh-huh. a great headliner to just finish it all off. Yeah, the interesting thing here is that there's only four of them. So right, I don't think that helps. 
Yeah, I find that the stakes are lower for which spot you get here because there's only two middle spots. Yes, and that makes it a bit different. Uh, so she gave us a running order and she was very shady about how she was wanting to deliver it. <laughs> she was shady, however, she was honest. She actually came out and said, the exact reason I'm doing this is to bring you down for this very reason. And no one ever yeah. does that. Everyone's always just like, uh, Jada, you can go last. But then they'll always deny that they were doing it for a shady reason. But do we like that she was honest about that? I don't know if I like that. I do because like she's not hiding it. Like she's I don't like I'm not a Miss Cracker fan, but like I think if you're gonna be shady, at least be open about it. But if she had said that to me, I'm like, I wanna take you down and this is why I'm putting you here, I'm like, what that's I don't like that. <laughs> like it makes me not like you, you know? But I also feel like you're a person who's very direct and you would say that. <laughs> you, you would be the person sitting in that chair going. <laughs> That's why I feel strange about this because I'm like, I am that person. But would I say that? I don't think I would say that. That's the thing. Like, I am that person. But I don't think I would have gone out about it the way she did it. <laughs> I think I might have. I think I might have. But also, like, I have much more of a, like, sweet, I can get away with anything kind of thing. I'm like, I'm going to bring you down and people will laugh. Oh, you think you do? <laughs> I do. I do. People love me. But I think when Cracker does it, she has such a monotone delivery that it's just kind of like, what well, the fuck are you with that? Yeah. Uh, so she gives Juju in as the opener. She's going to open it up with Juju. And then it's mm -hmm. going to be Blair. Miss Cracker decides to go third. And then Shay, she wants to close. So that's the running order. Yeah. Um, and the guest judge is Jane Kesmerick. Is that it? No, it's Jane Krakowski. Jane, oh, just Jane Krasmerick is Malcolm in the Middle. Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> <laughs> Although she would be great. She would be probably even better because Jane Krakowski <laughs> isn't actually a stand-up. Every, all the comedy she does is written for her. <laughs> so but Jane is very funny though. She's she very, is a very, very funny person. And she can deliver any joke you give her, she can deliver. She'll nail it. Right. So I, yeah, she's a comedian. Yeah, I mean, she's not a writer, but she's a comedian. Yeah. But of course, Ross Matthews is there. I mean, Ross Matthews is actually a stand-up comic. Yes, he's a great person to be going over this with the girls. Yeah, so they have the two of them kind of uh, uh, helping mentor Joke Jam, as we say in the biz. Mm -hmm. And the girls get to go on stage one at a time, and they kind of get to shoot and deliver their jokes that they've written thus far for the act. Which is always, um, if you've not done stand-up before, it's very scary to kind of expose your jokes to people for the first time. It really is, and it never works. Like, if I walk into a yeah. room with two people and I'm like, here are the jokes they're going to tell, it's not going to be funny. It what? Yeah, and, so, and also comedians that are listening to jokes aren't necessarily going to laugh because they're, they're concentrating and they're hearing the joke for every yeah. rhythm and punchline and setup. So they may not laugh necessarily. Uh-huh. Um, we do this all the time as a house selects. We had a meeting, we had a roast meeting where we were doing a joke chat, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, know, it's hard I hate to those. I know. It's, <laughs> well, it's hard because you jokes, you feel very exposed when you talk jokes because it's either it works or it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. That's kind of, that's it. <laughs> it's not like there's any gray spot. It's black or white. Right. You're right. So they are doing this and they are nervous as they should be and they are pitching their jokes. How does Juju B do? She's just pretty good. Um, I don't remember how she, are we talking about the pitches or are we talking about the actual? Pitches. So she was doing, 
kind of really heavy material though. Like she was going really um, over the top and in mm -hmm. terms of the concepts. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't really remember this part. But they liked her energy and they liked that she was like, they wanted her to be more natural and just be Juju because when we're watching the show, that's when Juju's the funniest was when, you know, in her confessionals when she's just talking. Yes. Yeah, she just naturally has a gift for comedy. Yeah, and I think she would be a very good comedian once she figured that out. I think she's actually a great comic. Uh-huh. So I was Did really she have a stand-up challenge? No, they didn't have a stand-up challenge on season two, did they? Mm, season no, season two did not. No. They had the first one on season three. Right. So uh, and then comes a Blair Sinclair, and Blair is uh slinging out jokes, zingers here and there, and they are living for it. They think she's very funny. And yeah, Jane Krakowski claims that she follows her on Instagram, but Jane Krakowski doesn't have an Instagram account. <laughs> Jane Krakowski doesn't? No, I looked her up and she does not have an Instagram. Oh my God. I don't know who she's following and where. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I love you on Instagram. I've never seen you in my life. <laughs> uh, so... They are really into it. And I think she was getting really overconfident because, you know, that also happens when you do comedy and you get a good, when you get a laugh on a joke the first time, it may not be the same laugh that you get on the second time you do it. Yeah. That's a real thing. Mm hmm It's true. So, Miss Cracker comes out and again, very heady, very in her head. Um, and that's what Ross says. She's just very in her, and we, this is all we say about crackers. She's constantly overthinking. Yes. It's annoying. And then Shay goes up and Shay is like, I just don't really have anything solid in terms of jokes. I just want to kind of bring my energy on stage, which is kind yeah. of what Hedda was saying where she does now is more improvisation with peppered with stand-up jokes. And that's what I do too at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I, do, I, don't, I haven't done a proper stand-up set since 2013. <laughs> that was my last set. No way. But really? Yeah, I headlined it. did a 30-minute headline set of Yuck Yucks. And I was like, goodbye, America. Wow, America. Um, now, they do give Shay really great advice where they talk about how Whoopi Goldberg is just like a storyteller and it's like, hey guys, guess what happened to me? Um, and it is really smart. It's a really smart way to approach comedy is to just be yourself and be relatable. Yes, totally. But sometimes you, in a, in a stand-up set, which they end up bringing out the brick wall. <laughs> yeah. So this is like a real stand-up at like Caroline. I know, they do bring out the brick wall. <laughs> Uh, it, you need some structure when doing those stand-up sets. So you can't necessarily just go up and wing it because if you forget or if you get nervous, you're screwed, you're sunk. Yes. So that was their advice to her is like, let's try and get something for you to at least do and then have fun with that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's it until, was there any makeup stuff that was happening? I don't remember it. Shay was very nervous. So she was burping like a motherfucker. Yeah, well, out of the four of that, well, also uh, also Blair, but, like, she's not really known for being funny. She's not known for jokes. We love her personality, but it's not about the jokes with her. Yeah, and she doesn't need to be, and, but she is very funny. Um, she killed Snatch Game. She, kill, she was very funny in her first season. She was one of the funniest people on that season, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and they all, they all are funny. I would question Blair, perhaps, but <laughs> they are all pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but Shay is just a nervous wreck. She's burping. This is what happens though when you're nervous. And I, this is why I burp a lot. <laughs> uh -huh. when, do you get this when you're nervous? Do you get burping? 
Um, no, I burp a lot when I'm in the middle of something. Like when I'm singing, I'm always burping. Yeah, because you're accessing your diaphragm. Yeah. Um, whenever I would do a stand-up show, I literally would be like going crazy. So you're burping like 24-7 though. Like you're burping in the conversations. Imagine that. But that's because I'm, I'm using my diaphragm, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm accessing my vocals. Uh, oh, but geez. imagine that like on steroids before you do stand-up. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the sure. days. Uh, okay, so we're getting into the challenge, correct? Blair's still very confident at this point. Good for her. We are getting into the main <laughs> challenge now. We are on the runway. Here comes RuPaul. And oh, there she is. Judges, hello. <laughs> and our guest judges are Sam <laughs> Richardson. Do you know Sam? I don't know who he is, but I enjoy his work on this episode. He is very good. I mean, he gives good advice. Um, Ross Matthews, Michelle Visage, and Jane Kasurowski Merrick. Jane Krakowski. <laughs> it's just Jane. Sure. Just Jane. And here we go into the challenge. They have a brick wall set up, honey. This is stand up at its finest. This is Jerry Seinfeld in 1994. First up is Jujubee, and she is uh, also how you look on stage for comedy plays in the comedy as well sometimes, um, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Um, so when Shay is in the workroom and she's getting out this gorgeous outfit for stand-up, <laughs> yeah. she's nervous. She's like, at least I'm going to look good if I bomb. And good for her. It's, Listen, a it's, a fresh, it's a fresh change of pace from the comedy bars you see in Toronto where dudes just show up in, like, a plaid shirt and a hoodie. Well, this is what I'm saying. Um, back in the day when people would just show up in jeans and a T-shirt, and I would show up in my Vicky wig and my sequin yeah. gown <laughs> yeah. to do yeah. a stand-up set. It's very different. Uh-huh. And I felt like a lot of people didn't really respect what I was doing in terms of like just the commitment that I was going into just getting to the show itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> Why don't I get the respect I deserve? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, here's Jujubee. She's giving us a little blue cocktail with a little blue wig. It's perfect. <laughs> what do we think of her stand-up? She's very cute. She starts off kind of rocky. She starts off slow, not a lot of laughs, but then she immediately finds her groove. She gets the audience on her side. She is funny. She's engaging. We love Juju. I don't know if that's completely true. <laughs> Listen, I'm just going off of memory here. <laughs> um, I think she also had a notepad, which is when you're doing new jokes, you usually bring a notepad, but only two of them brought notepads. It's very noticeable. Yeah, because the first two did, so I thought they all were, but then the other two did it. Which I appreciated when they didn't. Yeah. Because um, it, it changes it. Because when somebody's reading off a piece of paper, you're like, you're not really engaging with me right now in the moment. Yeah. Well, I've seen headliners at Yuck Yucks have their notepads up with them. Oh, absolutely. I have too. Listen, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. It, but it changes it. I thought yeah. she... Um, I thought she wasn't a good person to open the show. I thought she was... She just didn't catch the energy off the top. Uh-huh. Yeah, she started very slow. She started very slow. And I don't think it picked up. It picked, it picked up a little bit, but it didn't pick up enough to carry her set. Because mm. when you also sta start a stand-up set, uh, you really have to get them in the first, like, 30 seconds. This is the honest-to-God truth. Yeah. If you don't get them in the first 30 seconds, 
you are not going to probably get them after that. And you are just going to be swimming upstream all the time. Yeah, I think Cracker actually should have opened it. That's what I'm saying. I think Cracker should have opened it because she knows what she's doing. And she has that energy that she brought. And she actually did herself a disservice putting these two people before her because then she had to fight to get the energy back in her set. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here we go. It's true. Blair St. Clair is up and she's also got her little buck. And she is wearing another little cocktail and she is just kind of, she's stiff. She's reading off her pages and she's very stiff. She's incredibly stiff. She's flipping pages while holding the mic. She never should have held the mic. She should have kept it on the stand. Yeah. And flipping pages in the middle of a joke. Like she flips it to look at the punchline. And that's just like, and sometimes her punchline was, Blair St. Clair, you look very, and then she looks at her page and says, young. Like, bitch, you didn't know the next word was young? Like, <laughs> but also, when you're, when you're doing stand-up, you get very nervous if, you never, if you're not used to doing it. And you won't even know that until you're there in, in, in the moment. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I imagine she just got very, very nervous and was panicking. Uh-huh. Yeah, but sometimes having your notepad up there makes you more nervous because it gives you something to distract you. Whereas if you don't have your notepad, you can just say whatever's in your head. Absolutely. I fully agree with that. And I think she uh-huh. should have, I think Abandoned they should have, I think, yeah, that's too much of a net. And I think, it, or at least put it down on the stool. Don't be holding it the whole time. Yeah. Don't hold your mic. If you're going to hold the pad, like, <laughs> Selena's one one Well, <laughs> I got a lot to teach these girls. <laughs> Listen, I did stand up too. I started as a stand up comedian before I went into sketch and improv and drag. I, 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 not, I was I wasn't kidding when I said that. Slim is one one. Yeah, <laughs> you, you have done stand up. You've done all the comedies, honey. Yeah, since except for TV writing, I never did TV writing. Really? Yeah, I was in a writer's room recently, and I didn't like it. I was more of a consultant than a writer. Well, some of us might be working on TV stuff right now. I can't well, say. I know. I know. <laughs> can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. Anyways, here comes Miss Cracker. We can talk about this. So she is giving me, everybody's wearing blue on this. It's really crazy. <laughs> She's giving me Dolly, Dolly Parton bell, bell, uh, bell sleeves. Sure. Yeah. She's giving me Dolly Parton vibes. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we said, Blair, I would say Blair fully bombed. Um, yes. Juju B had a very tepid set. She was in off and on, but it wasn't very strong. Uh-huh. Miss Cracker uh, has, when you come on after somebody's bombed, a double bomb, mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to fight to get that energy back. And she had to do that at the top of her set. I think the best person who ever did that was Trinity K. Bonet when she came out and she made everybody stand up. She's like, stand up for me. And she like, and they said it, she completely changed the energy in the room. Yeah. And even when Shay goes on after her, and she just a simple thing like, how is everybody doing? Mm-hmm. Those simple things that are kind of annoying to some stand-ups, it just uh-huh. it changes the energy and it gets people to be awake again. Yeah, even just coming out and be like, well, Blair sucked, huh? Like, just like say something. To right. Oh, get, you know what? Get I them on your side. Didn't help Blair in her set was like, that Jujube sucked or whatever her first joke was. Oh, did she say that? <laughs> Well, it was, it was a throwaway joke of like, nice try, Juju B. I think that was it. Nice try, Juju B. Oh, and right. and Juju B actually didn't do very well in her set, so it already made her look like a bitch. Had yeah. Juju B did a great set, and then she said that, would, it would have worked. Yeah. 
but it turned the audience against her right off the first 30 seconds, which is what I'm saying, 30 seconds, people. 30 second rule. <laughs> uh, so Miss Cracker, she picked up the energy and then she got into it. I think that was the biggest part of it. Her jokes were okay, but she just had that energy. It was the energy that sold it. Listen, I've seen Miss Cracker live, like, bef- like not before Drag Race, but like in, in like a small New York bar, like Barracuda, which- um, yeah. Me too, I've worked with her, a- her, yeah. Yeah, I had a shouted out Barracuda earlier tonight, but I, I've seen her there. And she's very funny on the mic. Like, she's not the best lip singer, but she's a very funny off the cuff on the mic person. Um, so I the was show- hoping she would do well here, and she did. <laughs> yeah, the show I did with her in Toronto, she was, because I, I watching her on the show in the previous season, I, I didn't quite get the hype of her being the funny person. I wasn't getting it. Yeah. In her show, she was very, very funny. She was very hot on the mic. I, I thought she was, like, hysterical. Yeah. So, again, sometimes the comedy doesn't translate to the show. That's right. Like, for her, I feel like she's a live performer. She's not a TV performer. Yeah. I'm never. I, she's giving me fashion. She's giving me um, character sometimes. But I'm not getting, I'm not getting a, the, the most comedy at a cracker on Drag Race. Mm-hmm. So here comes Shea Coulee giving me the most comedy. She is looking fabulous with this wig and this red is breaking up all the blue that we just saw. Uh-huh. Um, how do you think her set went? I think she owned it. I think she came out, she was prepared. She was confident. She had her shit memorized. And uh, she had the audience on her side by being re- like talking about things that they knew about and how it, how it felt to her, but making jokes about it and making it exactly what Ross told her to do was to take something uh, and make it that comedy moment, that kind of like, the rose moment. It. yeah, yeah. Taking Which that rose like, moment and letting it like owning it basically. Yeah. And she's talked about this, this whole season of like that moment that like scarred her. She was like really traumatized uh-huh. the rose moment. And for her, for her to even say to Ross, like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to talk about that yet. Ross to be like, I think you are and you should. Um, yeah. That's part of comedy is the catharticism. I said that right, right? Catharticism? Yeah. Wow. Sure. I think that's the right word. <laughs> the catharticism. Catholicism. Of- Catholicism is what you were trying to say. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. Catharticism. <laughs> the catharticism of speaking your truth uh, on uh-huh. stage helps you deal with the trauma. Yeah. Right? And that's the joy of comedy. <laughs> yeah. So I think she nailed that. I thought she did a really great job. Agreed. And that was the stand-up set of season five. So they break down the brick wall. Miley Cyrus's wrecking ball comes in. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do they take the bricks down so fast? Freak him out. Freak him out is the category. Oh, right. I, which I don't, like, just call it Club Kid. Like, what are they doing? Um, yeah. Freak them out. I like that, though. So they're doing uh, the runway. Here comes B. She's giving us vivacious yeah. New York City. <laughs> this is a very different silhouette for B. She doesn't normally wear, like, bodysuits. She doesn't normally wear... Costumes. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we never... She's always a real woman in her mall gear. Mm-hmm. This is her going to, like, I, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese, I guess? <laughs> she looks fun. Yeah, she looks real fun. She looks like a uh, padded wall. So she's giving us, again, like we said, vivacious. She's giving us the, the iconic uh, cones coming off the head. Uh-huh. Just big colors, all these different uh, hounds, tooth patterns, checkers. 
Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it all goes together really well, and I love that it's so soft and plushy looking. Yeah. I think this is a great look, and for Freakum, I'm like, this is a very different silhouette from her, so I totally get it. Yeah, I didn't know I what the category was until I saw this. I was like, ah, club kid, gotcha. Yeah, and I love that her sh- she's wearing big shoes. She's giving me a different drag than she ever wears, and I really yeah. appreciate that she did that because sometimes with Juju B, I'm just like Juju, just give me a little bit more, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And she did it for this. And then after that comes Blair mm, Saint Clair. I do declare Blair Saint Clair, and she's giving you uh, the exact same thing Juju B's wearing, basically. Kind of, but more of like Rosie O'Donnell's koosh, cutie patootie. Koosh <laughs> <laughs> balls. Tommy, can you hear me? You're bringing me way back. <laughs> this is like Rosie O'Donnell's, uh, this is Rosie O'Donnell's wet dream. Uh, it's Blair St. Clair giving a little Cheshire cat. That's kind of her vibe she's going for. Uh-huh. Do you like this? Uh, I'm not looking at it and I don't remember it. This is a perfect way for us to do a review. So, <laughs> I don't remember. I can't see. <laughs> I don't understand the question and I refuse to answer. <laughs> That's why we love doing these podcasts. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't love this look. I think there's a lot of things happening. But for me, I don't, I just don't love it. And her, I don't like her hair. Um, hair. I, want, yeah. I, I, didn't, I know in uh, special effects um, makeup artist who's also my Instagram who actually designed all of her makeup for this oh. season. Oh. So all this incredible makeup she's been doing, she actually had a designer come up with it. Um, she, she right, because she it. came out with palettes. She came out with like um, with like a book of, of her looks that she's going to be wearing and someone designed her makeup for her. Yeah, and that's something new that I haven't seen on the show yet. And I think uh-huh. this is perhaps something that's going to happen now because she had some really amazing makeup. Yeah, she had beautiful makeup. She applies it very well. She's a great makeup um, applier, I guess. Yes. If she had somebody design her face, that she's not that great of a makeup artist. Um, I'm sure she. I'm sure she gave her opinion. I'm sure she gave like ideas for the makeup. But you know, makeup. The the special effects people probably pumped it up. Right. Um. So this look, I'm okay with. It doesn't. I don't love it. That's it. I just don't love it. I. I, I don't care. I'm bored. Sure. Yeah. Here comes. Uh, Miss Cracker. So this is a the, the plague is back. Yeah, it sure is. She is giving. What is this doctor called? This I don't know. Was it a thing? Like, I think it's called the plague doctor, isn't it? I don't know. It's like the mask with the long beak. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> oh my Was God. she wearing a mask? I'm wanting to kill myself. Um, <laughs> okay, so she is giving us bubonic plague doctor, and then she whips it off, and she's wearing a nice bodysuit that's been stoned, and some uh-huh. colored contacts, and a ten foot wig. I that like bodysuit look. looks like it, it, that bodysuit looks like you could have bought it from AliExpress. I've seen that on there. But I like that it was so she stoned it and she jeweled it, and uh, I think it wasn't AliExpress. I think it was an original creation. It is an original, um, but it looks like anything you can find on AliExpress. I'm telling you, I've seen this on there. I like those jewels did, and stuff. She took a different approach from this from the other girls, where they were doing more of that club kid vibe. I like that this was more of a darker tone for her mm-hmm. too. I appreciate she, the darker tone for sure. I wish she had stayed in the first look because I think she did a little reveal, right, to that bodysuit. Yeah, yeah, I didn't need that. I liked it. Here comes Shay Kool-Aid. But speaking about things I don't like, 
I love Shea Coulee. She's got my favorite fashions that have ever come on the show. This is my least favorite look she's ever delivered. Well, this looks like something Shea Coulee would just do on a regular day. Like it doesn't, it doesn't give me freak at all. It gives me, I, go, I get where she was going with this. It's just like a leopard bodysuit with some chains going on it. It's big, um, a, a Mongolian fur colored coat mm -hmm. and then like a, a tattered mullet wig. Yeah. I hate it. And then there's flats, shoes that are flats. Um, I hate it. I hate it. I love her. I love everything else she's done, but I hate this look and I hate that this was like the, one of her last looks. Yeah. Her butterfly cocoon was more freakier than this. Mm-hmm. So I'm disappointed in that. Here we go. We're getting into the voting ceremonies and the winner of it is Miss Cracker. She wins again. Third time. She do, she do win again, third time. So she's a winner and we're getting to the voting and they have to vote and it's very tight. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very obvious who they all should vote for. It's not obvious if they all will. I think it kind of is, but like, it's very obvious that Juju and, and Shay are going to vote for Blair. Um, and Blair's sitting there trying to like, like, act like she's on board with all of them all. Like they're all at an even level, but they're really like, mm. We get the lip sync assassin to come out. And who is it going to be this week? I don't remember who it was. Oh, it was Kennedy. Ken Kennedy Davenport. I was so excited for her to come out. When I saw her, I was like, yes, we're going to get a lip sync. And that's not what She is a, if, when I think of a lip sync assassin, she is definitely a lip sync assassin. Uh-huh. She always brings it. She's an incredible dancer. The energy she brings. She always brings the fire, yeah. Um, so the song they're doing is Reba McIntyre's Fancy. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. So I actually love this song. I think this is such a great song. A lot of gays do. I don't get it. It's too wordy. The girls in Untucked were all very concerned about how many words there are to it. <laughs> um, it's, hard. it's a hard lip sync. It's a hard one. Listen, there's a lot of words, uh, and that's what we found out in the lips. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Cracker is kind of doing what she, I don't know what she's wearing. She's wearing this like nightgown, this child's nightgown. I don't get it. I don't know what's happening. Uh, it's kind of creeping me out. And then uh, Kennedy is just kind of not doing. She's twirling her her coat, and that's it. Yeah, she's not giving the fire at all, which leads me to believe that this is rigged. This felt like a rig to me. 100%. Like, There's no the, way Kennedy's going to walk out there and not give it 100%. Yeah, I feel like they told her, Kennedy, we need you to throw this because the Cracker needs to get this 20000 We can't carry that over into 30000 That wouldn't make sense. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, they, to, they had to have told her that because I don't understand why else she would do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it, it feels makes, like yeah. she, she threw the lip sync and then after the lip sync ends, RuPaul goes, woof, that was a wordy song. Yeah, although like I will say, Kennedy has publicly said in the past that her least favorite song to perform is Fancy. She was asked in an interview and she said Fancy because there's too many words and I don't want to bother with those words. What? <laughs> Do you think they yeah. did this on purpose? I think it's, a, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if it's a coincidence. Oh my God, they did this. Yeah. They, they brought Kennedy in just to piss her off. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This salt season is very overproduced and this is showing that for sure. So Miss Cracker <laughs> wins. She gets $20,000. She pulls up the lipstick. 
Uh, it's Blair Sinclair. <laughs> yeah. And season five is over. Um, <laughs> Blair goes home. She's very upset. But you know what? You did a great job, Blair. And this was a big deal to be on All Stars. Yeah. And she did very well. She made it all the way to the end. And she was consistent the whole time. Yeah. And she really pushed outside of her box that she was in in her first season. She showed that she's a recording artist now. She's got really fashion vibes. And yeah. she's got a personality. Yeah. Go Blair. But RuPaul gets a phone call at the end of the show. Oh, yeah. What the hell is that all about? I love this. <laughs> this is I my know, It's so of, random. This is my favorite part of the episode was the last 10 seconds where she was like on the phone acting. And yeah. then she was like, <gasps> like somebody was blackmailing her and then she hangs up the phone and then like, we'll find out what's going to happen next week with that. She just like totally glosses over it and doesn't give any details. I love that. Yeah. So stupid. Who knows what's going to happen there? It's canceled. RuPaul's Drag is canceled. <laughs> Everybody go home. Can go home. Cancel it. Thank you so much for joining me, <laughs> Selena Vile. Yay. All right. Take care, squirrels. Bye. Bye. Yeah.